In 1 Samuel, in your Old Testament, the Jewish people did this to mourn the death of King Saul and his son Jonathan. In 2 Chronicles 20, King Jehoshaphat proclaimed one for the whole nation of Judah. In Jeremiah 36, King Jehoiakim and his son, the son of Josiah proclaimed one for all the people. Daniel did it in Daniel chapter 9. Ezra did it with others before going on a really long journey in Ezra 8. And Esther and Mordecai and the Jews all did it when faced with problems of violence in the book of Esther. People of Nineveh did it after hearing Jonah's message in Jonah chapter 3. In the New Testament, in Luke 2.37, Anna the prophetess did it as she waited to see the Savior. Matthew 4, chapter, or verse 2, Jesus Christ himself did this after his baptism. The early church did it in Acts 13 before sending out Barnabas and Saul on a mission journey. And Paul and Barnabas did it before they appointed elders in every church in Acts chapter 14. And in the Bible, all of these, along with many others, experience the spiritual discipline of fasting. Wow, when was the last time you heard a sermon on fasting? Well, if you'd been here an hour ago, you'd have heard one. Yeah. I think I've preached on it before, but I can't remember. That's one of the joys of old age. And some of you are right there with me, so you don't remember whether I did one before or not. So it's all brand new to you as well. But I do still vividly recall uh, being in my first church. I was 19 years old and out in the country's uh, side of Kentucky. And it was a Sunday evening Bible study. And uh, I brought up the subject of fasting as a useful practice in connection with living a disciplined Christian life. And a young woman sitting near the front frowned at me and said out loud, you mean not eat? And she just was shocked. I'd never had that kind of impact on anybody before, you know, preaching. Now, I'd like to say that I was so familiar with the whole idea of fasting that I could respond to her shocked amazement with words of wisdom and insight and abundance of personal experience with fasting. I could not do that. I'm a preacher. I cannot lie. I can, but I'm not supposed to lie. What about this issue? I, well, even thinking about that conversation, brief as it was, all these years later, I'm not a whole lot farther down the road in being able to really talk about this subject very well, you know, with integrity. Biblical fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, in contrast, fasting for most, most in the modern world, in a sense, is just something you do to prepare for certain unpleasant medical procedures. But the truth is, biblical fasting has always been, always been a normal part of a relationship with God. King David declared in Psalm 42, verse 1 through 3, he said, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. For the great psalmist David, fasting was a way to bring one into a deeper, more intimate 
more powerful relationship with the Lord. And his hunger and thirst for God, besides being evident all through the Old Testament, especially the book of Psalms, but this thirst was greater than David's natural desire for food. And our Lord Jesus would agree in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and verse 6, our Lord said this, Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they will be filled. And when you and I, when we as Christians, in the context of our time, develop the habit of eliminating food from our diet for a period of time, then what happens is we become detached from the things of this world and so, so much more sensitive to the things of God. The Bible tells us that during the years that Jesus walked the earth, he devoted a great deal of time to teaching his disciples principles of the kingdom. Not an earthly kingdom, but principles of our heavenly kingdom. Principles that go against the teachings and perspectives and mannerisms of this culture and this world. In the Beatitudes in Matthew 6, Jesus gave us a pattern by which each of us is to live as a child of God. And that pattern addressed three specific duties of a Christian. Giving, praying, and fasting. Now I want you to understand, this fasting thing we're going to talk about here this morning is not some obscure teaching in Scripture. Our Lord said in verse 1 and 4 of the Beatitudes, He said, You be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. For if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. If all you and I do is just live out the Christian life so people will think better of us here on this earth, then we're missing the whole point of a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our Lord said in verse 4, said, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. Then he goes on to say, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with the trumpets or hypocrite, as the hypocrites in the synagogues do and on the streets to be honored by men. He said, I tell you the truth, they've already received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And then in verse 5, he says this. Remember, he's already talked about giving. He said, when we give, he said, then now when you, when, you, uh, you pray, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, he said, talking to his disciples and the crowd, he said, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and street corners. When you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your father who's in seed. And then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And then Jesus gave us a model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. Verse 16, he said, And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, you put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you 
openly. Now, our Lord gave specific instructions here. He said, when you give. He didn't say if. He was assuming you would. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast, then this emphasis is on some simple but yet enormous habits of the Christian life. In fact, that's our series. We're, we're trying to, to focus on this summer spiritual disciplines and habits that we sometimes, I don't know, we overlook or, or we, we, uh, we practice them, but then we don't stay the course or we kind of lose sight of them. And we want to, during this summer especially, give you some of these to practice. We'll talk about that in a moment. Normally, fasting involves abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. And Luke 4.2 tells us that when Jesus one time, he fasted for 40 days. And the scripture tells us that he ate nothing. And at the end of the fast, he was hungry. Now, from a physical standpoint, this is the manner in which Scripture defines and describes fasting. Now, there's other fasts described in Scripture, such as uh, the partial fast that uh, Daniel participated in, in Daniel 10. The absolute fast in the book of Esther, verse 4. But the normal means is just simply not eating for a period of time. And uh, as Dallas Willard writes in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, a great book, by the way, he said, fasting is abstaining for food of food for spiritual purposes. This discipline, by the way, he writes, teaches us a lot about ourselves very quickly because it's certainly proving humiliating to many as it reveals how much our peace depends upon the pleasures of eating. In contrast, fasting confirms our utter dependence upon God by finding in Him a source of sustenance, a source of power, a source of energy that goes beyond food. Richard Foster also writes another excellent book, Celebration of Discipline. He said, fasting can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm in your life that will never it would happen any other way. It's a means God, of God's blessing and it's something that should not be neglected in a Christian's life. However, if any of you who've ever tried fasting, you know that such breakthroughs are rather challenging because we really do like to eat. Uh, I... Uh, I've been very gifted in ministry to the fact that God has not made me as fat as I should be. You think about ministers and what we do. We go out and eat all the time. I've eaten with some of you, eat with this brother here many times. And you would think that, you know, you would think I would be hefty. Hefty. But, but you know, here I am lean and mean. It's a God thing, I guess. I don't know. But I do know this, this is a challenging, challenging event for many believers. Why do we find food so enticing? You ever think about it? I find it interesting, Adam and Eve sinned because of lusting after food in the Garden of Eden. And the result of their sin was the fall of humanity. They saw this fruit and it was so good for food and they ate it, even though they were told to leave the thing alone. Isn't that interesting? And then Jesus comes along and begins his earthly ministry to redeem us from the sin that Adam and Eve created. And Jesus did it by abstaining from food in the wilderness. Imagine how surprised John the Baptist was to see his cousin 
going down into the water to be baptized like everybody else on that day. I mean, I would imagine most of the people baptized that day, you know what they probably did? They went home, had a big celebration, everybody had a big meal, and they celebrated this new Christian's life. I mean, that's kind of how we do that, I think. But Jesus did not. He followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. He went into the wilderness by himself alone, and he spent 40 days fasting, 40 days and nights as Satan tempted him in the desert. The very first thing Jesus felt in his earthly ministry needed, it was hunger for you and me. And the very last thing he felt in his earthly ministry was thirst as he was killed on a cruel Roman cross. So what's interesting to me, and I, I, I guess it's a good question to ask all of us, what is it, why is it so difficult, you think, that we as members of the body of Christ don't practice this spiritual discipline more than we do? If Jesus needed to fast, you know, how much greater is our need I mean, in the past, whenever I've engaged in fasting, I have never, ever found it to be easy. So I want us to think about this this morning. Why is this so hard to bring our flesh under the control of the Holy Spirit? The Bible tells us why. <clears throat> it says it's because you and I forget that as Christians, our bodies don't belong to us. Uh, we think they do. But that's not true. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He's talking to Christians here. This Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So therefore, honor God with your body. Now, here's Jesus Christ, who was a spiritual being, and he leaves the glories and majesty of heaven. And he comes to earth. He inhabits a real human body just so you and I might bring redemption. and Well, he might bring redemption and deliverance to our bodies. Jesus came to show us how God would live if he were a human being. He came to impart to you and me virtues and perspectives and, and grant us power and insight and wisdom that we're not going to get from this world. It's amazing to me that he left the, the hails of glory for the nails of Calvary, just for us. If you're a Christian today, you belong to him. Our body is an essential part of who we are, and the New Testament takes a strong position on this because our salvation involves the life we now live in the flesh. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Who lives? Christ lives in me. And the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now take a moment and look at that verse. This is why you and I don't get to do anything we want to do with our bodies. Jesus bought us with his own blood on that cross. Writer Dallas Willard says, although the full redemption of our bodies will be completed later, but even now, as the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit, hear this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who does live in you, who lives in you. And for a believer, our body is not just a physical system of flesh and bone and blood and muscles and all that. It's inhabited by the very presence of our Lord Jesus. And you know what He wants to do? He wants to mold us and shape us after His will. That's why we sing, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Remember that song? Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, O Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. We should sing that every Sunday. We should ask for that all the time. Now, the theological term for all of this thing I've been telling you is spiritual formation. That's the phrase. And what it is is the proper retraining and nurturing of our human bodies. Left to ourselves, without understanding these spiritual principles, we will treat our body in a very interesting way. We spoil the thing. You know, you know what I mean? We, we do things with our body, and we don't think anything about it. It's our body, we think. We eat whatever we want to eat. How many of you like to eat? Well, there's one enthusiastic hand up in there, one not so enthusiastic. How many people y'all like to eat? Isn't that amazing that we kind of like to do that? And yet, we don't think anything about it. And I'm not saying that eating is, is a sin. That's not what we're talking about. What, we're, what I'm saying is that eating can become such a, um, such a routine or such a, a useful and normal activity. You get so used to it. You don't, what do they call it? Got to get your three squares a day. You know, three square meals. Now, I think lots of us would agree we probably don't need those three square meals. And some of you would say, I'd rather have five or six square meals a day. But the point is, we tend to gratify our bodily desires. We, we want to fulfill them. We, it's all about us. It's all about what we like. But in contrast, the body of a small child doesn't have all, any of this kind of inner quality to it yet. It's only as you grow to maturity that children come to realize the source from which life flows. And that only happens if their parents took them to church, introduced them to Jesus Christ and into His ways. Left to ourselves, you know what happens? You want me to tell you the truth? Our sinful little human natures will complain and whine and demand and test us, and aggravate us, and frustrate us. The Apostle Paul said it well in Romans seven eighteen. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. Listen to this. But I cannot carry it out. Romans 7, 5 says, For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. Romans 7.15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not. But what I hate, I end up doing. And all this is saying that for most people today, our bodies run our lives. Our appetites control our behavior. Contrary to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6.25, when he says, I tell you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more important than food? Now, this kind of brings us full circle on this issue of fasting. 
because I want to share with you three principles that we Christians should consider. Number one, fasting for a believer in Jesus Christ must only center on God. We're not fasting to lose weight. We're not concerned about appearance, though we may need to do that, but that's not the point. Our fasting must be done under God's direction and help, and we must have our eyes fixed on Him. Our one intention should be to glorify our Father in heaven. And fasting allows this to happen. I mean, it's fasting. If you're fasting and you take it seriously, then you know what you think about almost immediately, most of the time? Not fasting. You think about food. And I'll tell you what happens, too. You will fast, and then someone will stop by your house with a delicious item of food of some kind. If you're in the ministry, this is a professional hazard. And I have helped these people fulfill their desires for years because I eat whatever they bring me. But think about that. Here you're trying to be disciplined. Have you ever noticed this? You're trying to be disciplined. You know, you okay, I got to watch my weight. I got to do this sort of thing. And granted, it, that's all for us. We're thinking only about ourselves. But this idea of, of, of being so preoccupied with what pleases us physically. So fasting for a believer in Jesus Christ has got to center on our Father in heaven. Our one intention would be to glorify God. Our one intention be focused on Him. And fasting allows us to focus on God and pray and seek Him for particular things. Now, sometimes this happens when we are going through a crisis and we realize we're at the end of our rope. And suddenly our appetite's not that big a deal. We have other concerns. But normally, when we fast, our focus should be on God, the one who gave us life. So that's number one. It's got to center on him. Number two, fasting for a believer in Jesus helps us remember who really sustains us when it comes to our physical lives. It's not food. Colossians 1.17 says that in Christ, in Christ, all things hold together. John 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never hunger. Thirst. Now here, you see the spirit. This is a physical illustration, but he's talking the spiritual terms and language. Food does not sustain us. This is why you and I, as we fast from food, we must also feast on the Word of God. They go hand in hand. Fasting and Bible reading go together and you'll be nourished by it spiritually, and your focus on God will be sharper. And then number three, fasting for a believer in Christ helps bring balance to our life because we're not very balanced. I mean, how, how often do you find the non-essentials of life taking control of you? We don't have to have a dog in our household, but we have one. My wife likes dogs. I grew up in a home with no pets of any kind. But my very first picture I got of this wonderful woman that I married was a picture of her and her dog. Ugly mutt. I didn't tell this in first service because she's not here in this service. So, And I trust that you guys will quickly go tell her because some of you will. But the reality is I was never around animals. And so last night during the thunder and storm or whatever as we normally have in our neighborhood seems like lately, 
I have a dog within inches of where I'm sleeping comfortably going, <laughs> and you know how hard it is to rest comfortably <laughs> with such a creature who has no consideration for the fact that we're sleeping. And he was so, he's so scared of the storms and things like that. For him, it's just his world as an animal is pretty limited, you know, what he feels okay with, what he doesn't, what he wants to eat, what he doesn't want to eat. And aggravating the master and owner of the house. That's all he does. But it shouldn't be that way. We're humans, we're not going to do that. Fasting helps keep our natural human desires in check. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I want you to listen to this. The Apostle Paul shares an experience with disciplining his fleshly appetites. He says, I beat my body. I make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I'll not be disqualified. Now, here's a, here's a big statement, all right? It's a real big understatement. God's priorities are seldom our priorities. Like it or not, we're Christians. Hopefully all of you are. But as we go through the Christian life, we find ourselves inserting our priorities and trumping those of God's. The Apostle Paul beat his body to make it a slave. Isaiah said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, he says, talking about God. So, so how do we free ourselves from our own desires in order to know his will? You do that by fasting. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. What does it do? Well, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. So fasting and praying and feeding on the Word of God puts that double-edged sword of God's Word in your hand and positions you and me to be able to discern the difference between our thoughts, our ways, and God's thoughts. It clarifies the difference between what you and I want from what you and I need. And they're not always the same. For 10 years and 230 episodes, there was a TV show called Friends. I imagine many of you know the show I'm talking about. But this show became a focal point for millions of people. Now, the critics, when this first came out, they just laid into this. They said, this is the stupidest concept. You got six young, single friends living together in New York City. And they said, it's not even very entertaining and very clever, very original. However... When the final episode aired, 52 million people tuned in to watch that final episode. And the critics who said it wouldn't make it didn't take into account this huge vacuum when it comes to being connected, when it comes to people, especially our American people. We, we are so separated and so everything divides us. People want and need to be connected in relationships. And while that's good, I mean, especially if it's a small group, like in a church, through your community, you know, what we must be careful about is not to be so horizontally focused because what that does is that diminishes our vertical focus. 
As one writer has observed, the American church is becoming more and more about me. I want my needs met. Bless me. Teach me. Help me. And while all these are legitimate needs and desires, we must keep in mind that the cross of Jesus Christ has two beams, one that is horizontal, but the other is vertical. And fasting turns our priorities more vertical and more in line with God's desires for us. And the more we practice the spiritual discipline of fasting, the true cry of our heart becomes, God, more of you, more of you, and less, less of me. When we put him first, all else is added. So here's your habit homework for this week. I encourage you to set aside a period of time this coming week and get your Bibles and you declare uh, after prayer. Some of these passages, if you want want to revisit this message, I think you can get that online and the scriptures. But go through these things and then enter into a time of fasting. It doesn't have to be 40 days and 40 nights. You know, don't start out of the gate. But what it will do will help you focus and specifically Ask God to open up your eyes to something in your life that really isn't what it ought to be. Maybe a relationship, maybe a habit, maybe something else. But whatever it is, ask God to shine the spiritual light of his love on that thing, that issue, whatever it is, so that you can clearly hear what he's saying. You need to work on this. And only through fasting and prayer. Some things the Bible says can only be. Some of the evils of this world cannot be removed from your life without prayer and fasting going together. So if you want victory, if something's really driving you crazy right now because you feel weak and impotent and you don't know how to respond and you got a relationship that's all messed up, you really are concerned. That's why you're here today. Maybe you came just for this sermon, though you didn't know it. Then take this to God. Humble yourself before Him and set aside a period. Don't Worry about the length so much, but you ask God to open your eyes, help him help the word be applied to your heart, and focus on the bread of life as your only sustenance for a period of time. And I guarantee you, when that happens, you will have a spiritual breakthrough in a powerful way. I've experienced it, some of you others have here as well. And as we go through these spirits, we're not done with these spiritual habits. You know how many spiritual habits there are? There are a bunch of them. But this one in particular may open something in your life that you've longed through for a very long time. Let me pray for you and we'll close. Heavenly Father, you know everybody's heart here today. You know exactly what we're dealing with. You know that folks come and go and visit and check in and all these things. But every week, Lord, you are here speaking through your word to just let us know that the power and the source of strength and the energy, the things, the very, whatever it is, wisdom, the very thing that we need can only be found in a closer walk with Thee. So, Lord, it's my prayer. I pray that as a congregation here, uh, the group is in first service. We've already prayed this prayer. It says, Lord, just help us prioritize. Speak to our hearts. Convict us. Don't give us any peace until we surrender to Your will for our lives and to show our intensity and show that we're serious. Lord, also help us fast and pray and seek your face. And Lord, we trust you to do all things well. We know you do. 
and the burden and the, and the, the distraction, the, the relationship, the heartache, the physical thing, whatever it is, it may be giving us some tremendous worry and anxiety. Maybe one of these very things that can only be removed when we pray and fast together. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.